and welcome back to Cooking Our Books. I'm Helen and with me is my sister Pam. Hi there. That's right, Helen. We're back for season two. We're going to work our way through our mother's cookbooks. And this season, we're also going to have some guests joining us, bringing their tried and true family favourite recipes. I'm really excited. Oh, absolutely. So am I, particularly about having guests. I think that's really awesome. And being able to cook and experience their memories of their family favourite dishes. So Pam, for today's episode, as you said, we've circled back to book one again, and we're going to be tackling a family favourite recipe in the book that we actually spoke about in our first episode in season one. This is what we said some of the names of the recipes, you just would have no clue what it is, right? You have no clue what it is. And and my my go-to favourite on, on uh, ever since I was a kid, I was actually quite scared of the recipe and I'd never read it until I was researching for this podcast. And I actually went, what is in that recipe? And lo and behold, it's a sweet recipe, but it's called Stuffed Monkeys. And I just remember as a kid thinking, like, hell am I ever going to be eating stuffed monkeys? And where do you even buy a monkey to stuff it? Right? I, I, I used to think, is it meat? Like, would, would I eat monkey meat? No. <laughs> that was a funny story, Helen. But when you say family favourite, this is a bit of a mystery because maybe you had tried it as a kid, but I had never tried it. I'd never also seen Mother make it. And it is a funny handwritten one. Yeah. Interesting you should say that because I've never tried it either and I don't ever recall mum making it. So whilst it was was a funny family favourite, but only in the sense of having it in the recipe collection Mm -hmm. um, because as kids we'd all see this recipe and go, oh, no, we don't want to eat stuffed monkeys and we'd move on. Yeah, I don't ever recall it ever being made and I don't ever recall eating it. As we've said, it's a recipe that was handwritten by mum. It obviously has no pictures. It's been written on what looks like some old sheet of lined school book paper. Looks like there's a red margin in there somewhere uh, (laughs) on the left-hand side. So she's most probably scrounged a a sheet of the kids' school books and she's written this recipe out. And in the top right-hand corner, it has in brackets checkbook and also mummy's favourite. So it's a bit of a mystery whether she's referring to her mother or whether she's referring to herself in a third person. I don't mm. I just don't know. I reckon it would have to be her mum because I if think it was it would have to be her yeah. favorite surely we would have tasted it. Yeah, you, well, you would think, right? But <laughs> anything there, goes. Anything time, goes with this. Yeah, anything goes right. As we've mentioned time and again, there's ten cookbooks of recipes, and I don't think we've ever had. She never made one of them out of it, right? So, <laughs> so this wouldn't surprise me at all. But where the recipe came from, it, it, it could look. If she's referencing her mum, our grandmother, well, then yes, it will be. It's obviously come from her mother somewhere, and I suppose the fact that we really didn't see our grandparents much growing up, there wasn't really any occasions for mum to make it. Not that she ever needed a reason <laughs> to make it, but again, I don't ever recall her making them, and I don't ever 
ever recall ever trying them, even when we did see our grandparents or if there was a special occasion, I don't remember trying it. But look, the recipe was always there to give us kids a bit of a chuckle and a bit of a scream and, uh, you know, don't want to try that. But it was funny, as we mentioned back in episode one of season one, I hadn't actually really looked at the recipe until we started this project. It's been sitting there and I thought it was absolutely the top pick coming into season mm. two. Interesting, the name. What what did you find out about the name? Yeah, I didn't Google this recipe before making it, so we don't have a picture. It's just this handwritten recipe. So I went in blind, so to speak, and it wasn't until after making the recipe that we've actually done a bit of research on where does the title Stuff Monkeys come from? What is the origin of the recipe? And interestingly, it is a Jewish recipe. And the internet, more specifically, familyfriendsfood.com, have a really informative article about the origins of stuffed monkeys. They say it's Jewish food and stuffed monkey kitchels, which is, I think, a Jewish name for sweet crackers or cookies, Mm, mm. The website says stuffed monkey kitchels are a delightful hybrid of a Sephardic cake. What's a Sephardic cake? It is a cake that has North African and Spanish roots. Stuffed monkeys are also an Ashkenazi cookie. You would say it's a recipe that really has Jewish Jewish, roots. Jewish roots, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The website gives you some other context. It says one of the earliest mentions of a stuffed monkey is from an 1892 novel, Children of the Ghetto, where confectioners sold them and the novel calls them luscious, spicy compounds. That's pretty apt. I liked that. I I, I think it's very apt. Yeah, yeah. The site says another origin could be linked to a bowler, which is a Spanish or Portuguese yeast-raised fruitcake. But they do say that stuffed monkeys came to London via the Netherlands, via a Dutch baker, and also links the possible meaning of monkey. So where do we get stuffed monkeys from this dessert? Evelyn Rose's new complete international Jewish cookbook says it was first introduced into the UK by a Dutch baker called Manikendam. And over time, Manikendam got possibly reduced into monkey. Monkeys translated into monkey. Ah, the stuffed statement is very apt because that's ended up being what they were, you know, fundamentally fruit mince pies, right? Yeah, Um, that would be the closest thing to what they are, right? Yeah, they are fruit mince mince pies. Fruit mince pies. Um, And it's funny, though, with it having such a strong Jewish roots, I mean, we all know that we grew up in a highly dysfunctional Protestant family. Um, (laughs) And so I don't know where the Jewish influence came into it, but I'm kind of pleased that it did because they're pretty yummy. I wonder, yeah, look, our grandparents were from Victoria and it makes Mm. me think whether stuffed monkeys were sold in bakeries perhaps Mm. in the 20s or the 30s. You know, if if indeed we're talking about our grandmother and it was her favourite, mm. well then, yeah, maybe how were they first eaten? Where did they get the recipe from? Yeah, mm. it makes you it makes you wonder. Yeah. yeah, interesting. What was in them? The ingredients calls for raisins, currants, and sultanas, and mixed peel, a bit of honey or golden syrup, 
whatever is to your liking. Spices, mixed spice and cinnamon, some butter or margarine, some sugar, some flour, an egg, some further cinnamon, nutmeg and ginger. And uh, the, the, the latter part of that ingredient list made up the pastry section. Mm. So there is a pastry and then there is a filling. The filling were the raisins, currant sultanas, mixed peel, honey or golden syrup, spice and cinnamon, and that you pull all that together and that gave you your mince filling and then the rest of the ingredients was the pastry. So it basically made a sweet, spicy pastry and spice. the spice was brought in through the cinnamon and the nutmeg and the ginger in the pastry with the fruit mince filling. So as I... I keep referring to them as fruit mince pies, you know, simple. <laughs> I will note that the first time you mentioned the P word, the peel word, you touched yourself and, um, you know, that's like <laughs> we've covered over this. This is a hard no for you. So it's I'm assuming no. the mixed peel got removed or wasn't, oh, wasn't included. Oh, yeah. That was the first <laughs> thing to get hoiked. <laughs> You're like, so, I actually want to eat these, so there's no way I'm using Yeah, there's no way I'm putting peel in it, yeah. <laughs> so, I, look, I don't know about you, Pam, but when I was making the recipe, first of all, all the ingredient list is in Imperial. Of um, course. <laughs> of course, <laughs> right. And to that end as well, when we were first prepping for the uh, cooking, you actually asked me what one of the words in mum's handwriting meant. It was interesting because mum's handwriting was very cursive, you know, growing up in the era that she grew up in. However, it was interesting because as I was reading it, I was able to let you know what you thought was a word was actually a measurement of ingredient. Oh. Uh, I think it was the flour. It calls for eight ounces of flour. But if anyone else was looking at mum's handwriting, you'd think it would say soy or something like that. Mm but it, it was actually eight ounces of flour. But it made me ponder that over the years, I've seen mum's handwriting change. So this is the writing in this recipe is how I remember her writing when I was a little kid. But in her later years, the only way I could describe it, it was becoming more simplistic, less cursive. The cursive started to get removed from her writing in her later years. Yeah, it was it was interesting reading the recipe and working the recipe in mum's um, cursive handwriting that I remember from a kid. I made the fruit mints first and I pulled all that together. And yes, I obviously substituted the peel for dried chopped apricots. Good. Uh, sorry, <laughs> chopped dried apricots. I also uh, didn't have raisins in the pantry, so I used prunes, cut up prunes instead of raisins, but I had the currants and I had the sultanas. I pulled all the dried fruit together and then it called for a teaspoon of honey or golden syrup. Quite honestly, I don't think that was enough. I don't think it was enough liquid because the mince was very dry. It didn't ask for it to be put over the stove at all or to melt the honey. I think I actually put golden syrup in there instead of honey, but it just didn't cover the fruit. They ended up lovely and I took them to work, but one of my work taste testers suggested next time to add a bit of alcohol, like a bit of sherry or vermouth or port into that dried fruit mixture. Thank you, Matt W., 
because I think that would just bring out the flavour of those dried fruits even more. I think it was a great idea. And I just think they need to be a bit wetter because they were quite dry in their pastry casing when they came out. And then, of course, I made the pastry. Now, for me, the pastry came together really well. I didn't substitute anything. I followed the recipe exactly. And the pastry was beautiful and delicate, very rich with butter. But it also had a tone, like with the added cinnamon and the nutmeg and the ginger, it brought a different colouring to the Mm -hmm. pastry. So pastry was like a, for want of a better word, an allspice colouring. which I really liked, and the flavour in that pastry was beautiful. It was beautiful and flaky. I've got a mini cupcake pan, um, so it's just those little small cupcakes, and I thought that would be perfect for these little fruit mince pies. How was I going to pull it together? Because the recipe doesn't actually talk about – it talks about putting a spoonful of filling on each a large round, cut out a large round and cut out a smaller round, much like a pie casing. So I thought, well, I'll use my mini cupcake pan and I happen to have in my uh, third drawer, which is the sods and dods drawer of all things Tupperware randoms, I had a pastry cutter that had a large round on one side and a smaller round on the other. And it just so happened that it fit perfectly. The large round fit perfectly into the mini cupcake pan. I used the pan, greased the pan, used my Tupperware cutter, made the large circles out of very, after delicately rolling out that pastry because it was so soft. Put the large rounds into the cupcake pan, filled it up with a bit of the filling, and then used the smaller ones for the lids. I didn't baste the top of the pastry with anything. It does say Mm. um, put a bit of golden syrup on the top of the pastry. But when I tried to, the pastry was so delicate that it just ripped open. And that was with my pastry brush. So I went, oh, I'm not going to do that. But I did stick a little um, half an almond on the top of them. And away they went. And it worked out perfectly. I actually had more pastry left over. I'd run out of filling, but I had more pastry. So I ended up actually using the leftover pastry. It has been my birthday since we last <laughs> since we last recorded. You bought me for my birthday some beautiful pineapple jam. So I actually made little open case jam tartlets with the leftover pastry and some of that beautiful pineapple jam you you gave to me for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's um that's a great idea because, you know, that pineapple jam was quite sweet and if you've got a spice-laden pastry, that might have been a nice counterbalance uh, yeah. to that quite sweet pineapple jam. Yeah, they were beautiful. They were beautiful. The kids just hoed into them as soon as mm. they came out of the oven. I'm like, hang Pass on. Pass the teenager test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All in all, they were a great little recipe for me to make. Mine came out great. Loved them. What about you? How'd you go with yours? Yeah, well, the filling, I was absolutely ready to sub out that peel for apricots. But then just before, the day before I went to make them, I was forewarned that two of my taste testers that were ready and waiting for these things were both allergic to apricots. So uh, I didn't put any apricots. Oh, really? Yeah, funnily enough. Is that a um, thing? Yes, and... One of them oh. is allergic to apricots and almonds because I think they're oh. the same family of 
stone fruit and that was the theory. So you have apricots in there. And the other thing is my pantry is just groaning right now. I think it's after season one of doing this podcast, you know, when you've collected so I don't have a walk-in pantry like you, but you know, yeah. you've just collect I've collected so many different ingredients. Uh, I'm trying to use them up. I need to yeah, yeah. create some space. So the interesting thing about this recipe list is that you start with three similar kinds of dried fruit. You, you, they're asking you to use raisins, currants, and sultanas. And Which are that, all from the same family. Yeah. And I just thought that was overkill. So there's no way I was going to go out and buy. I had sultanas, obviously, but I'm not going to buy raisins or and currants. So I just use sultanas and I use cranberries. Oh, but yum. I like yum. Cranberries are delicious. I like yeah. the fact that you've used prunes, though. I think that's a great choice there. And I didn't really have problem with the moisture content of the filling. However, I really agree with what you're saying. It could do with a soak or it could do yeah. with yeah. plumping. And the yes. plumper you yeah. can get. And yeah. We've learned that from the previous, the sherried sultana cake yeah. and the other fruit cakes that we've made. The plumper that you can get dried fruit before you cook with it, yeah. the better. But in these ones, I guess that they're kind of cookies. So what you're looking for ideally is a bit of a paste rather than a, a bunch of semi-dry fruit with a, yeah, so there's a delicate balance to get there. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the, the filling was okay. Obviously the biggest swap out for me is the vegan butter and that just made the pastry a real challenge. I did not enjoy making the pastry. Essentially I did all the right measurements. I think it's a, it's an equal amount of butter and flour or an equal amount of butter and sugar. I can't remember. Yeah. But Butter and sugar, yeah. Butter and yeah. sugar, yeah. When I went to mix this dough, it just would not form a dough. It was so wet and so elastic. Mm. I think yeah. it's to do with the fact that vegan butter, it's not like butter that gets harder as it gets colder. So that was a real struggle and I just kept having to add more flour. And so then what happens is I'm just trying to add more flour to get this thing to become a, a hard dough and then all the balance is off. So then I tried to add mm. a bit more sugar and then it just ended up being like, okay, can I just get this thing hard enough to roll out? And then you're right, <laughs> very messy, very tricky. I use like glasses. I used the rim of a cup. The rim, oh, the rim perfect, of, yeah. The rim of two different glasses. But even getting it onto the paper without breaking, it was very delicate, you're correct. So yeah. essentially made them. They did not look uniform. They didn't look that great. The colour was very blonde and I guess... I noted that when I saw yours because they actually look sort of light brown. And I thought, was that part of it? Like the stuffed monkey thing? Are you intending on making a bit of a light brown pastry to represent a monkey or something? The recipe calls for a bit. <laughs> the scientific amount of spice is a bit of this and a bit of that. So I guess you and I probably use a bit different scope Two of that. teaspoons of cinnamon a quarter teaspoon of nutmeg and half a teaspoon of ginger. Did you read the teaspoon as a, a bit? No, no. If you look at the bottom of the recipe, it says a bit of this for the pastry because there's 
there's two, like you said, there's there's spice for the pastry and there's spice for the filling. The spice for the filling is very specific. The spice for the pastry is just meant to be a bit. It's, it's the other way around. Oh, okay. The that's filling wrong. is a little spice and cinnamon because oh, I'm reading the recipe and the pastry is two teaspoons of cinnamon, quarter teaspoon of nutmeg and half a teaspoon of ginger. Oh, Lisa, so- that's where I'm, that's where I'm, that's where we've diverted. <laughs> okay. I've done that for the filling. So- <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Figure out if you were putting two teaspoons of cinnamon in your pastry, how did it come out so blonde? I couldn't work it out. That's clearly it. Geez, you you would have got a spice been... hit from mine. I'll tell you what. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Bang. So that was it. So I, oh, again, I, I, I think I had flashbacks from like the cheese triangles that we did and the phyllo. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. pastry is just so. You got to work fast, and you got to. Yeah. It needs to be cold, and I can whip up a cake, but yeah, there's a reason probably why there are pastry chefs out there that <laughs> it takes a long time to learn this stuff. It is really technical, so yeah, it's a specialist field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that being said, I'm making it. I'm thinking, geez, if I had a roll of short crust pastry from straight from the freezer, I could smash this thing out. Yes. You know, <laughs> and I thought I might want to go back and just shortcut half of it so that was the theory going as I was making it but look honestly there would be nothing wrong with you doing that yourself just whipping up the filling and uh if you're short on time just get some ready rolled short crust pastry out of the, mm. the you know supermarket freezer and you could smash those out real quick Real quick. No shame. No shame no about the sh- shortcut here. There is no judgment. I don't want to throw no away judgment. the stuff, monkey. I just the pastry yeah. really killed me. So yeah. But but tasting wise, what what were your thoughts? Well, because my pastry was more flourless of everything else, it didn't, it wasn't that sweet. It was nice. Look, if it was out of 10, this would get a solid five and a half. You know what I mean? It wasn't, I would not say it was delicious. I would say it was okay. That being said, one of my testers ate two whole ones for breakfast with a cup of coffee and said it was lovely. Wouldn't say it was my best work. Would definitely be keen to, yeah, potentially try it again with some pre-made short crust pastry, maybe some sprinkling demerara sugar on the top. I think it would be really nice. And you're right. Let's try plumping that fruit up with some Thing, but what alcohol. about you? Oh, me, look, I, I really liked them. As I said, the filling was a little dry, but overall they were great. They were great. I took some to work um, and, you know, the work colleagues smashed them. And uh, my daughter particularly was a huge fan. And who knew? Because she's never really eaten fruit mince pies before, but she was just scoffing them down like lollies and particularly the little tartlets that I made with the pastry and the pineapple jam. Yeah, look, I, I definitely think they'll be on the uh, on the list for Christmas cooking. Great idea. Yeah. yeah. So all up, I'll give them a thumbs up. I was happy with the outcome, uh, happy with the taste, but certainly tweaking can be done. Great recipe. I'm glad I finally made the damn stuffed monkeys recipe. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it was a good effort given that we didn't we didn't Google it beforehand. We didn't have a picture. We had yeah some handwritten recipe here and we just went for it. So I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, good on us, I reckon. That was <laughs> it was a good one to hand. 
But look, that's it, I think, for this episode. We've come back with a bang, which is great, and it's great to be back into it again for this season. So I'm really looking forward to the season and what wonderful concoctions we come up with. (laughs) Great to be back. That was a fun one, Helen. If you want to make stuffed monkeys at home, you can find the recipe and our pictures at Instagram. Our handle is cookingourbooksnumber1.com. See the show notes for the website that has the back story to Stuffed Monkeys. Our theme music is by Josh Woodward. Bye for now. Bye.